Pastor Mark Job of Moody Presents. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to walk in God's favor and how to maintain God's favor in your life. I believe the divine purpose of favor is to enable you to achieve your God-given assignment. I believe that every person here has a purpose and a call upon your life. Welcome to Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, inviting you right now to join us for the next several minutes as we continue our series focusing on God and work. Our theme, which we introduced last week, has to do with God's favor in your life. And we already learned that our choices actually dictate God's favor or blessing in our lives. We also learned that living outside of God's purposes will always hinder our witness in the workplace. So let's get started today looking at the very first verse of the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. What does the Bible mean by this expression, God's favor? What is its purpose? Are there factors or choices that uh, we make somehow that bring it closer and things that push it away? Here's Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents. In Psalms chapter 1, it talks about the favor of God. What is favor? Uh, Favor is that special affection of God towards you that releases influence on you so that others are inclined to like you and cooperate with you. That's favor. When the favor of God is with us, doors open... That would not normally open to us because God's favor is with us. When God's favor is with us, we have influence that we exercise that we did not gain, but it's there. When God's favor is with us, there are things that happen in the spiritual world and in the natural world that we cannot explain apart from simply the fact that God was looking out for us, the favor of God. If you're a believer here, there's nothing that you should desire more, covet more, want more in your life than the favor of God. And there's nothing that you should be afraid of losing more than God's favor. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to walk in God's favor and how to maintain God's favor in your life. I believe the divine purpose of favor is to enable you to achieve your God-given assignment. I believe that every person here has a purpose and a call upon your life. And the favor of God gives you the power to be able to secure that in your life. And so it's interesting that in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, there's a verse about Jesus while he was growing up. And it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in what? favor with God and men. Jesus was the son of God, so he had the favor of God, but as he grew up, he walked in obedience, and as he walked in obedience, he grew in the favor of God, and he also grew in the favor of men. In other words, he had influence in men, men that viewed him favorably, that he was impacting them. He had the favor of God and the favor of man. In Psalms chapter 1, verse 1, the very first Psalms in all the Bible, it talks to us about the favor. 
Now, it uses the word blessing. Now, I know you've heard the word blessed or blessing. When someone sneezes, we we say what? Bless you. My wife sneezes seven times when she sneezes. I used to say bless you after every sneeze. Then I decided uh, I'm going to be a little bit more expedient. And so I just wait till she's done seven times. And then I say a big bless you. Uh, We use that word when someone sneezes, when someone's going to pray over a meal, we say, can you give the blessing? But oftentimes, we really don't understand what that word means. Blessing means something very similar to favor. In fact, in this verse, it says, blessed is the man. Jesus also taught, and he said, blessed is the man. Blessed means supremely happy or fulfilled. In the Hebrew, the word is actually a plural, which denotes either a multiplicity or blessing or an intensification of them, according to Boyce, who's a Bible scholar. In other words, blessing means that your happiness would be multiplied or intensified over and over. That's what blessing means. It's the same as favor of God. So when we look at Psalms chapter 1, the writer of the Psalms is telling us that there are certain things that bring the blessing or the favor of God, and there's certain things that push away the blessing or the favor of God. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So what is it that pushes away the favor of God, and what is it that draws the favor of God? I want to start by talking to you about what hinders the favor of God, what hinders God's favor from our life. The author, the psalmist says there are three things that causes the favor of God to be pushed away from our lives. Number one, he says, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Number two, standing in the paths of sinners. And number three, sitting in the seat of the scornful. And so we're going to talk about this and look at this just for a moment so that we can understand it. The psalmist says, blessed is the man who does not. In other words, if you you don't do these things, you're going to be blessed. And if you do these things, you lose God's favor. So, Blessed is the man, happy, multiplied in his happiness and fulfillment, is the man who, number one, does not 
walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That has to do with our thinking. Stand in the path of sinners. That has to do with our behavior. And sit in the seat of scornful. That has to do with our belonging. So let's talk for a moment about what it means to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Do you know that there's a lot of people out there willing to give you advice? How many of you know that everybody has an opinion? And there's plenty of people that are willing to give you their opinion about what you should do with, their li- with, with your life. What the psalmist says, though, and what God is saying, is that when you get your advice and your counsel and your opinion about your life from people or advisors that are ungodly, that means people that do not have God in their life, that don't come from a godly perspective, then what happens is that you lose God's favor because although their advice may seem like good advice, if it is not godly advice, ultimately it takes the favor of God away from your life. There's a lot of advice out there that looks good, but it's not godly. There's a lot of people out there that look for advice and tell me they've gotten counsel, but how many of you know if you look far enough and deep enough, you could get, you can find someone to tell you what you want to hear? A woman's out there. She's kind of unhappy with her husband because she's lost that spark a little bit. She's hanging out with her girlfriends that are just have another mindset, and so she kind of decides, hey, I'm not sure I want to be married to this guy anymore. I don't know. The spark is not there. The, the romance is not there. Just, I'm kind of getting a little bored with you now. I'm not sure that this is kind of the way I want to go, and so she goes and she gets advice. She starts talking the D word. And she says, well, I'm going to get advice. And she goes to her coworkers and sits down and talks to four women that are divorced. She says, well, what, what do you think I should do? And the woman that's on her second divorce says, honey, if you lost a spark, kick that guy to the curb, man. I wouldn't be with him anymore. You're young. You got a lot of life in you. You need to find a man that really loves you. She talks to another woman, oh, honey, I was where you were at, you know, I, I got rid of them. I got rid of them, and, I, and, and, and she'll come and say, well, I got advice, and I got counsel, and they told me that I should divorce you, honey. And here's what I want you to know. I want to say that you can get advice, whatever advice you're looking for, you can get it from a lot of sources and a lot of places, but God says You lose his favor when you don't get it from godly sources. You're going to hear a whole different story if you go to a godly woman, a woman that's been married for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and she stuck it out with her husband and loving God and following God, and that woman's going to sit down with you and say, honey, we all go through tough times, we all go through rough times, and maybe you're not feeling it now, but you need to love that husband through it, you need to follow through it, you need to persevere, you made some vows before God, now I'm going to pray that you stir up that marriage, that you love this husband, why? Because you're finding a godly woman to speak into your marriage instead of people that will speak whatever they want to speak into that aren't coming from a godly perspective.
going to hit the pause button for just a moment here on Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. Recently, a note came to our team at Moody Presents, and I just had to read an excerpt that I think will really encourage you. Dear Pastor Job, I'm reaching out to encourage you with how God has used your online and radio ministry in my life. This summer, my family suffered the very sudden loss of my mom. While struggling through understanding and adjusting to life without her, I tuned to Moody Radio. As I have done daily for many years before, I listened to some of your Moody Presents messages, and the Lord knew what I needed, and He brought clarity and assurance through you. Some of the things that stuck with me were, remember, repent, re-engage. The whole message spoke about returning to my first love, which I'm taking steps to do right now in absence of my mom. There's so much more to share that I have gleaned, but I'll end this note by saying I truly feel grateful Moody chose a faithful, inspiring leader to guide Moody Bible Institute right in this season. May your ministry be what God has designed it to be for His glory. Wow, thank you for that encouragement, and we're really grateful for all that God is doing in your life. You know, we really enjoy hearing from you and how Moody Presents is helping you in your spiritual walk. If you'd like to get in touch, why not send us an email? Our online address is moodypresents at moody.edu. Moodypresents at moody.edu. And you can hear today's message again or partner with us at Moody Presents when you visit moodypresents.org. Once again, here's Mark Job with Moody Presents. It tells us in the Word of God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, some of us are hanging out with people that are starting to influence our values and our thinking. And when we get around people that are influencing our values and our thinking and our influencing us to think a worldly way, a way that's outside of God, then the favor of God departs from our life because as our thinking goes, so our life goes. A man comes to me and he says, well, you know, pastor, I came to Christ about four years ago and I'm really trying to live for God, but you see, I have my old friends. I've known them since they were in grade school, since they were in high school, so on the weekends, I'm just hanging out with my old friends. I'm a follower of Jesus, but hey, I've known these guys forever, so I'm just hanging out with my old friends. Nothing wrong with hanging out with your old friends as long as your old friends aren't the main influence on your life, but you're influencing their life. Hello. So I asked, so what are you doing with your old friends? Well, you know, they're my old friends and they hang out at the bar. But, you know, they hang out at the bar and shoot pool and just, you know, chat. And, you know, we're not doing anything wrong. And I don't participate in everything they participate in. You know, they're into their thing. But I know I'm a Christian. So you go there and you drink 7-Up with a twist of lime in it. But they're all drinking. Pretty soon they're drinking and they're flirting. They're married, but they're flirting with this girl and flirting with that. And they get a little tipsy and then they're trying to go a little bit further. And they're telling jokes and getting in brawls and fighting and this and that. But you hang out with them a lot. So suddenly 
instead of you influencing them, you're starting to be affected by their thinking, by their values, but by what they do. And before you know it, you're drinking with them, getting a little tipsy with them. You're flirting with the girls now. You're starting to do everything that they do because you're hanging out with those that do not have God, the ungodly, and instead of you being salt and light, you're losing your salt and light in them because you're hanging out with those that have no perspective of God and suddenly you start thinking and are influenced by their values and the word of God says, blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Number two, he says, or stand in the paths of sinners. You see, first of all, it's about our thinking, what we think. Secondly, it's about our behavior. He goes from walk, stand, and sit. Thinking, behavior, and belonging. And then he says, Blessed is the man who does not stand in the paths of sinners. Well, what does it mean to stand in the paths of sinners? Well, all of us are sinners, right? There's not a person here that's not a sinner. Now, you may not define yourself as a sinner. You don't say, hi, my name is Joe, I'm a sinner. Uh, that's not how most of us identify ourselves. But a sinner is someone that what? Sins. And if you sin more than once or twice, you are a what? A sinner. So all of us here are sinners. It's not a matter of there are some that are not sinners and some that are sinners. All, all mankind are sinners. The difference is that those that have chosen to follow Jesus Christ and accept Him as Savior and Lord and applied the blood of Jesus Christ to their life, they are sinners, but their sins have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, cleansed by the Father. They have the Holy Spirit inside of them, and so although they're sinners, they're washed before the Father. So he says, blessed are those who are not standing in the path of sinners. That means whatever the path of a sinner is, you're not standing in that path. Path speaks of a way, a road, a direction. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's a way that's broad, a gate that's wide. You don't have to bow down to get through it. You don't have to humble yourself to get through it. You don't have to squeeze through it. You just kind of walk through it. It's easy to walk through it. And the path is large. There's a lot of people on that path, and it's wide, and you can do whatever you want on that path. That's what the Bible says, but it's a path that whose end is destruction. And then he says there's another path, that the gate is narrow, and the path is small. Few are those who find it, but in the end, that pathway leads to life. It's the path of God. And so the psalmist says, hey, if you're listening to the counsel of the ungodly, you lose God's favor. And if you stand in the path of sinners, you also lose, lose God's favor as well. What does it mean to stand in the path of sinners? Can I talk to you, congregation? All right. Can I step on your toes a little bit here? So you don't have to say amen. You can say ouch. So once in a while, I'll get 
younger people that'll come to Christ, and they're in their 20s or they're in their early 30s, and they come to Christ, they give their life to Jesus, and now that they're saved, they, they start walking in God, they're all excited about it, but they have a question on their mind. They say, well, what do I do with our weekends? What do Christians do on the weekends? I mean, I know what to do when I'm not a Christian. I mean, I, we spent all weekend partying. It was a clubbing scene. We'd get all dressed up and put on our short little skirts and as tight as they could and as high as they could and, and get all dolled up and go down and, and find a place where there was a lot of other people our age and we would dance and prance and drink and get a little tipsy and have fun and hook up with the guys. And, and, and that was a successful weekend when we went out and let some steam off and found a guy and that was it. So I looked forward to my weekends. It was kind of that kind of weekend. And now I'm a Christian. And I'm like... Okay, so what do Christians do on weekends? How many of you know what I'm talking about? So standing in the path means we hang out in the places we used to hang. We're in the spots we used to hang. So you say, well, I'm a Christian now. I'm a, I'm a believer now. So I'm going to do what I used to do, but I'm going to be a Christian doing it now. So I, I'm going to sort of draw the lines so my skirt's not going to be as high and not as tight. It's a little longer, two inches longer. And I'm going to go, and I'm not going to get tipsy. I'm just going to drink a little bit. And so you go down to Lalo's. And the music is blasting, and you're not going to Lalo's for taquitos, by the way. You're going to Lalo's for other reasons. The music is blasting. There's people your age, and you're, say, you're going in there. I'm a Christian now, but I just want to have fun as a Christian. So you go down there, and everybody's, everybody's dancing and, and bumping and grinding, and you're right in the middle of it, and, and, and you walk in, and, but you're a Christian now, so you have your, your Diet Coke, and after a while, you just say, well, I'm going to just have one, or I'm just going to have two, just a little drink. I'm a Christian. It's not a sin, right? I have two. Then you start getting a little tipsy. You get out of the dance floor. And that music kicks on that used to really get you going. And so you're going to dance like a Christian. But after a while, you start losing that Christian stuff because the music is blasting. And pretty soon, you're pulling out some of those old moves that you had. And you're starting, you're starting to dance like you used to dance. And there's a guy out in the, over there like you used to check it out who's watching you and look. And you see him watching you. So you think, well, he's probably a Christian, right? And so... He starts coming over to you, and you're like looking at him. He's looking at you. You start dancing and going to town, and, you're, and you find yourself hooking up with them, and you realize after a while, oh, he put some moves on me. Maybe he's not a Christian, or maybe he's a backslidden Christian. And by the time the weekend is over, you've done everything that you used to do in the world, but now as a believer, you went too far because you had a few drinks in you. You end up a guy liking you that doesn't know Jesus at all after one thing for the weekend. You convince yourself, well, I'm going to bring him to church, pastor. That's what I'm doing. You let your heart slide. You let your body go where it shouldn't go. 
you get a little tipsy and pretty soon I ask you, hey, what's the difference between two years ago when you were partying and now that you're a believer, there's no difference except that on Sunday you got to get up early and go to church. And inside, deep inside, you feel like something's wrong with that. That's not really who I am anymore. That's really not who I should be anymore. Inside, if you're truly a believer, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, woman, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body's a temple. This is a sacred temple. The way that temple moves is sacred. Who touches that temple is sacred. What you put in that temple is sacred. You are a woman of God, a woman of virtue, a woman called and destined by God to live a different way, to have a different value, to have different lifestyle. That's who you are. Walking in God's favor. That's the title of today's message, and you've been listening to Pastor Mark Job, our teacher here on Moody Presents. Thanks for spending time with us. Now, here's something to think about that I think really goes along with our study today. Many people believe that mission and ministry are carried out by a select few professional clergy or an elite number of mission agencies and nonprofit organizations. We're called to be everyday missionaries. So how do you become an everyday missionary? That's what the book Life on Mission is all about. It's from Moody Publishers, and you can find it at moodypresents.org. Just give the Moody Publishers button to click to purchase Life on Mission. Now, while there, why not consider becoming a Moody Presents partner? Get this, with your recurring gift of $30 a month or more, well, you become eligible to get a 50% discount from Moody Publishers for as long as you choose to partner with us. Find out more about becoming a monthly partner at our website, moodypresents.org. Make sure you join us next week. For Pastor Mark Job, I'm John Geiger. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.